Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome to week five in our series, Acts of the Apostles. Let's review what we've talked about so far. Week one, we talked about the early church plugging into the power of the Holy Spirit. See, first they plugged into the power of prayer. And then next they plugged into the power of passion, which is a result of plugging into prayer. And then third, they plugged into the power of proclamation. So they prayed, God filled them with passion, not only just for each other, but for the lost world. So they went out and they proclaimed the gospel. Then week two, we talked about how to rub people the right way. We talked about it being encouragers. And we discussed three ways that we can become encouragers. How many of you like to be encouraged? Yes, and so do others. It's good to be encouraged, but it's also good to be an encourager. And we, we talked about three ways that we can do that. We can bring blessings to others. We can break barriers down for others. And we can build bridges for others. In week three, we asked and answered the question, can God really use your life? And we looked at the life of a, of a, a man who was a most unlikely candidate to be used by God. His name was Saul. And we identified four areas in our lives by looking at his Saul, at his life, Saul's life, and looking what God overcame. We looked at four different areas uh, that we believe are obstacles in our life that God says, no, they're not. They're not obstacles. For instance, your past condition is no obstacle. Your present circumstances are no obstacle. Your personal characteristics are no obstacle, and your private concerns are no obstacle. Maybe they are for you and me, but they're not for God. And we looked at that by looking at this candidate, Saul. See, God can and wants to use every one of us to build his kingdom. Now, last week, we talked about the prison of his power. And we looked at Peter's dire situation. He's in prison, basically on death row, simply for sharing the gospel. Kind of unheard of in America, but it's not unheard of in the world. See, God had a plan which involved himself showing his power in this unseemingly way. God's power was seen in the peace that God gave Peter, he was sleeping. He's on death row, going to get killed tomorrow, and he's sleeping. He's chained between two prisoners, I mean two guards, and he's got other guards watching him. And God gave him his peace. God's power seen presence. He sent his angel to come and wake Peter up. Come on, this isn't the rest of your night here. We've got other plans. And then God's power was seen in his providence. See, God's always in charge. Sometimes we feel like he's lost the bubble or he's fallen asleep. But his scripture says God neither slumbers nor sleeps. He's up 24-7. And the next time you get insomnia, talk to him. He's awake, wants to hear from you. Amen? And then God's power was seen in his purposes. We said, wow. No matter what sort of prison that you and I may find ourselves in, God is there with us. And he will work for us in ways that we can't imagine. 
You know, we, we did kind of marvel. In fact, I think it was a discussion of the small group on Monday that these folks were praying, praying hard, praying together for Peter to be delivered. And when he was, they were kind of surprised. It's like, well, that can't be Peter. Rhoda, you've lost your mind. No, Peter's at the door. Because God answered that prayer. But see, sometimes we've got an idea of how God's going to answer our prayer. And he's got a whole different idea. Because we're limited. He's not. That brings us to today, week five. And the title of this sermon is, The Prison of His Praises. Yet another prison story. Having lost in a fire virtually everything they owned, the Spafford family made new plans, including a move from Chicago to France. Horatio Spafford planned the trip for his wife and four daughters to be as trouble-free as possible. To transport them from America to France, he booked passage on a huge ship and made sure that they had Christians with whom to fellowship with en route. He planned to join them a few weeks later. Now, in spite of much careful preparation, Mr. Spafford's plan suddenly dissolved when the ship carrying his loved ones was rammed by another vessel and it sank. Carrying his four daughters to the bottom. His wife arrived in Wales safely nine days later, telegraphed her husband the awful news that all four of their children had drowned. Spafford left Chicago to go and bring his wife home. And as they crossed the Atlantic together, the captain came and told him when they were passing over the spot where his daughters had died. At that place, Horatio Spafford took a pen and a paper and wrote these words while passing over the spot where his daughters perished. When peace, like a river, attendeth my way. When sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. You see, it took great faith for Horatio Spafford to write those words. God took the worst prison experience of his life and turned it into a prison of praise. Well, in our story today, Paul and Silas find themselves in a difficult prison of oppression and suffering. And in that prison, they experience the great grace of God. Isn't that often the case? Isn't it a shame that sometimes we got to go to jail before we'll praise him? He's got to put us in a corner before we'll look up. Well, they received everything they needed to transform a prison of pain into a prison of praise. And I, I've, I've thought about this all week long. And I've tried to visualize these guys. See, well, let's look at their prison experience and see what happened and how their praise lifted them above their circumstances. You may feel like you're in a prison of sorts today. And I, I want you to know that God can take your pain and turn it into praise. If you give it to him. Well, let's read from our scripture, Acts chapter 16, verses 16 through 24. One day, as we were going down to the place of prayer, we met a slave girl who had a spirit that enabled her to tell the future. She earned a lot of money for her masters by telling fortunes. 
She followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, These men are servants of the Most High God. And they, they have come to tell you how to be saved. Tell me Satan doesn't recognize the Lord Jesus. Went on day after day until Paul got so exasperated that he turned and said to the demon within her, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it instantly left her. Her master's hopes of wealth were now shattered, so they grabbed Paul and Silas and dragged them before the authorities at the marketplace. The whole city, the whole city is in an uproar because of these Jews, they shouted to the city officials. They are teaching customs that are illegal for us Romans to practice. Well, a mob quickly formed against Paul and Silas, and the city officials ordered them stripped and beaten with wooden rods. They were severely beaten, and they were thrown into prison. The jailer was ordered to make sure they didn't escape. So the jailer put them into the inner dungeon and clamped their feet in the stocks. This jail is a place of misery. Would you agree? They've been beaten. They've been dumped on in in a dungeon. Their feet are locked to the floor. This place is a place of misery. See, Paul and Silas were doing God's will by sharing the gospel everywhere they went and by pushing back the darkness and still trouble came into their lives. They found themselves in a place of misery. <laughs> Been there? Yeah. The, the, first, there was this misery of the accusations that had been brought against them. See, Paul and Silas had been falsely accused by selfish men who cared for nothing more than money. These men didn't care about this poor demon-possessed woman. Paul and Silas had been falsely accused and lied about. Have, have you ever been there? There was also the misery of the arrest. When the rest of the people of Philippi heard the false accusations of the men, they turned on Paul and Silas like a pack of rabid dogs. They hauled them into court. They were beaten and thrown into prison, just like common criminals thrown into prison. And all they had done was preach the gospel and try to help someone. And their trouble got worse. You ever been there? And then there was the misery of the, the accommodations. They were thrust into this inner prison referred to as the dungeon and their feet were locked in the stocks. This was not like a modern day prison uh, where we would probably seem like a five-star hotel compared to this. No, it was the inner dungeon cell. Most probably the nastiest place imaginable. It would have been dark, damp, dreary, dirty, disgusting, with cold stone floors, probably covered with mud and human waste. And they were there for no other reason but for faithful, obedient service to the Lord Jesus. Have you ever been there? Jesus told his disciples that trouble was not a possibility. It was an absolute certainty. He said, in this world, you will have trouble. 
But take heart, I have overcome the world. I know this is not what any of us want to hear. But it is scriptural. And we need to understand that you and I will experience trouble in our walk with Jesus. Don't believe this half gospel that if you ask Jesus to come to your heart, you're going to have peace, love, and joy. That's true, but that's not the whole truth. Here's the rest of the story. In this world, you will have trouble. Don't let it surprise you. Don't let it make you wonder. Why? Why am I having trouble? What's the first thing we jump to the conclusion? What did I do wrong? Or what did she do wrong? Or what did he do wrong? You know what? It's not always because you did something wrong. It might be because you did something right. But God's got a purpose in all of it. Just be sure of this. There is always hope in your place of misery because you're never alone. Now, I'm speaking to the children of God this morning. Those that are born again believers, okay? You are never alone. He gave a personal guarantee. He said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Jesus does prison ministry. Well, this jail is a a place of misery, but this jail is also a place of ministry. It's a place of ministry. See, when Paul and Silas found themselves in this prison experience, they were hurting, they were humiliated, and in need of some encouragement. Well, first, it was a place of personal ministry. They had followed the Lord to Philippi, and now they're sitting chained in a cruel Roman prison. They needed someone to encourage them, to lift them up. And they had no one there. Or did they? They turned to the only source available to them. They turned to God, lifted their hearts in prayer and praise. If you can imagine. Remember, severely beaten, sitting in a dungeon, feet chained to the ground. And they begin to pray and praise. Listen, folks, don't miss this. Well, how could they do that? I wouldn't feel like it. You know, it's not about feelings. It's about faith. Come on and stay with me. See, these two men knew something that so many saints never get a handle on. Saints have a friend who cares deeply about them and has promised to hear their prayers and answer them. How many of you here are saints? Let me make sure we're clear on this. If you've accepted, I I didn't say how many of you act like saints. How many of you are saints? If you're a born again child of the king, you're a saint because God took your sin away from you through Jesus Christ and gave us the righteousness of Christ. You are a saint. And God says, I'm always there with my saints. They're my children. We have a God who will personally minister to us anytime, anywhere, any need. Wow. Well, this is also a place of profound ministry. Look here in Acts 16, verse 25. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. As they prayed, their prison was transformed from a place of pain into a place of praise. 
Paul and Silas begin to sing songs of praise unto the Lord. We don't know exactly what they sang, but it probably wasn't uh, gloom, despair, and agony on me. Deep, dark depression. Excessive misery. All right. No, No, these men were in prison because they had been served faithfully. That was it. That's why they were in prison. They'd been lied about, beaten for no good reason, chained up, and yet they were praising the Lord. But that seems impossible, doesn't it? It might seem very impossible for you at this morning. In whatever prison that's got you. Whatever news you're dealing with. But the formula worked then. And the formula works now. Because God has not changed. If you and I will lift our eyes up and stop looking at our circumstances. Just, just just for a moment, if nothing else, and look up and begin to praise him and thank him for what he means to you in your life. Verse 25 goes on, and the other prisoners were listening to them. These two have lost their minds. How can they be in here singing and praising God? They've been beat. They're, man, they're down in the bottom here. Well, there's one unique thing about being in prison. You have a audience Paul the apostle knew that only too well by the end of his ministry that poor, those poor Roman soldiers that were chained to him don't you know they heard the gospel over and over yeah see when we find ourselves in one of these bitter prisons of life and we turn to the Lord for help to, to get us through this prison God can turn our sighing into song our trials into testimony and our pain into praise This was also a place of powerful ministry. The other prisoners were listening carefully to Paul and Silas as they praised and prayed to the Lord. They were amazed at what and groaning. Paul and Silas were singing and praising. And that constituted a powerful ministry to these other prisoners. I would remind you this morning that a lost world is watching you and me. Go through our prison experience. They want to know what's the difference that Jesus is making in your life. And they're watching carefully to see how we will react to the pressure that's being placed in our lives. That's the difference of being a believer and being lost. It's who we have with us and the example that we set because of him. Well, let's, let's continue to read Acts chapter 6, verse 26 now. Suddenly, there was a, a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open and everybody's chains came loose. How cool is that? This is a prison break. The jailer woke up and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself. We're all here. The jailer called for lights, rushed in and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, believe in the Lord Jesus. (laughs) Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. 
Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in his house. This just cracks me up. At this hour, the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. That's not the part that cracks me up. Here's the part that cracks me up. And then immediately, he and all his household were baptized. Hey, wait for nothing. I'm saved. I'm going to get baptized. Wow. See, how you and I respond in the prisons of life is something we should pay close attention to. This jail is a place of majesty. Oh, yeah, it's a, it's a place of misery, and it's a place of ministry, but it's also a place of majesty. After all, God may have sent us there just so we could help someone else to see that God is an ever-present help in time of trouble. The majesty, the majesty of what? God's power, God's power. Notice the language in these verses. Suddenly, there was a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. God loves to demonstrate his power. And these verses are packed with action. All of a sudden, God moved in power, and one moment all the prisoners were chained, and the next moment they were all free. Whether we recognize it or not, the prison, our prison, a prison, is a place of power because God's there. And wherever God is, there's power. There's power in the blood. Notice, even though they were free, they were still in the prison. They were made free while they were still in the prison experience. And this is one of the ways God displayed his power. The majesty of God's providence Sometimes we think the world's in control. Sometimes we think Satan's in control. Sometimes we think everything's out of control. But God's providence is never out of his control. He's always in charge. His will is always done. We say, how could God let little children uh, be born with AIDS? God didn't. You know what God allowed? Us to have free will. We cause the problems. God's providence is majestic. So why did God allow these men to go through this prison experience? Good question. Good question. Because we want to ask the same thing about us. Why, God, are you allowing me to go through this prison I'm in right now? And I can tell you there is one choice I'm just going to mention. could be because of poor choices in our life. It's called Consequences. But that wasn't the case here. Is it, is it possible that God allowed Paul and Silas to be beaten and thrown into prison and locked in these stocks just so he could have used them in the city of Philippi? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Is it possible that God allowed them to endure all this pain and suffering just so he would get glory? Oh, yeah, that's his purpose. That's our purpose is to bring him glory. I don't want to go to jail. If he lets you go to jail, he'll pull you out of jail too. But there may be something that he wants you to do while you're in that jail. Is it possible that God sent them to prison just to save this jailer and his family? 
Sometimes the price for ministry is hard. Sometimes it's hard. If you look at the outcome of this event, you will see that God used these events first to save that jailer and his family. How important is that jailer and his family? Well, every bit as important as you and I. But he was a jailer. He was mean. He was nasty. He carried a sword. Another outcome of this event is they had the opportunity to testify to the city officials. Got them wound up, but they had a chance to stand before them and testify. And another thing I see as an outcome is it was to encourage the saints then and now to teach them and us that God is greater than any prison or problem they or we can have. Man, I'm so glad God preserved these stories for us. This is history. And it was, it was written for you and I. So in conclusion this morning, when the prison door slams behind you and you find yourself locked down tight in the shackles of pain and problems, you may feel that there's no reason to praise the Lord. But if you will turn your heart toward heaven, listen to me, this is the formula. If you will turn your heart toward heaven. I don't feel like if you will turn your heart toward heaven. I still don't feel like if you will turn your heart toward heaven. He will hear you. And he will give you a heart full of praise for him. No matter what your circumstances. I was talking this week. To a loved one. And we're talking about when Peter got out of the boat. You know. (laughs) Jesus come walking on the first thing, they all thought they were going to die. So Peter got out of the boat. Jesus, can I come to you on a what? Yes, come. Now, listen, this is important if you've ever been, ever been to sea. The seas were rough. Jesus is walking. Okay, so there's some uphill and some downhill walking. Okay? And when Peter came out of the boat, the seas were still up and down. So he was walking on these rough seas. But he kept his eyes on the Savior. And as long as he kept watching Jesus, the seas and the circumstances didn't matter. It was only when he took his eyes off of Jesus and began to look like, oh my goodness, what am I doing? He began to sink. Now there's a story. There was a story in that for Peter. There's a story in that for you and me. No matter what, what, what's going on, maybe, you'd, maybe you're tossed in a sea right now and you feel like everything's out of control. It's not out of God's control. So we we just need to keep our eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Pray with me. Pray with me. Open your heart to the Lord Jesus right now. Father, we are people. You gave us feelings, but you said, without faith, we cannot please you, Father. Father, As the centurion said, help my unbelief. I do believe, but I I still have doubt. I still want to get my fingers in the mix here. 
I still am looking at the circumstances. And I can't see how this could come out good. Whether it's a, a, an illness that's got us. Whether it's a, a family problem. Maybe it's a broken marriage. Maybe it's a personal battle with darkness, depression, anxiety. It doesn't matter. Brother and sister, if you would just lift up your eyes and look unto the Lord Jesus. He's reaching down to us this morning. He wants so much to minister to us. He wants so much to calm our sea. He wants so much to give us a heart of praise while we're still in this prison. So we can show, he can show us his ability, his dependability. Father, please work on our hearts. Work on our hearts, Father. You said in that old hymn, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look at him in his fullness. And the things of world of this world will pass away. Father, make it so in our lives today. Make a decision, Christian, to say, I am going to follow Jesus. I'm going to keep my eyes on Jesus. No matter what's going on in my life or what's not going on. God wants us to trust him. He deserves our trust. He's never given any of us in this room a reason to not trust him. People have given us reasons, but he has not. And this message is for all of us this morning. Because if we're not in a prison, we've been in one and we'll probably be in one again. And God wants us to be with him. And he wants to be with us. Father, make it so in our lives. Make yourself real in our lives. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.